0: Today I'm going to be preaching from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And it's the story of Jesus visiting Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a leader of the Jews and he comes to see Jesus by night. And I invite you if you've got your Bibles or your pew Bibles or your Bible app to get it out and read along with me today. I'm going to read all the way to the 17th verse. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into, God, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Nicodemus. He was a leader, a teacher, a Pharisee. Pharisees were Jews who tried to live their life in complete covenant with God. They tried to live their daily life as if their bodies were the temple. Every question had an answer. Every I dotted, every T crossed. Even though we often see in the Gospels that Jesus bumped heads with the Pharisees, Pharisees aren't bad people. They were trying to live their life in covenant with God. These are the A students. These are The rule followers. When Jesus heals a woman on the Sabbath, they get mad at Jesus, not because he has healed her, but that he broke the Sabbath day of rest law. And Jesus says to them, look, if your ox is in a ditch, you get your ox out of a ditch. In other words, you help now. For Jesus, it seemed that they were so consumed with the letter of the law, they had forgotten about the spirit of the law in the first place. Nicodemus, he is a good guy, respected leader. He knew his scriptures backwards and forwards. He tithed. He never, ever skipped synagogue to play golf on a sunny day. Nicodemus was a good guy, and he had clearly heard about this Jesus. You know, something that has always helped me to try and understand that dynamic between the relationships between Jesus and the Pharisees is that um, a little bit of history, because in the year 70, the Jews would revolt against the Roman Empire. And the Romans would respond by totally wiping out, killing so many people, and they destroyed the beautiful temple in Jerusalem that still the remnants of it still stand today. But that was in the year 70. That's just 40 rough years after where we are today with Jesus and Nicodemus. I understand the Pharisees must have felt like Jesus was a threat to this whole house of cards relationship. That he could be gasoline on a fire. I understand why they, Jesus made them nervous. But there was something about this Jesus that made Nicodemus go to see him. Might have been that it felt like Nicodemus had spent his whole life knowing all the right answers to the test, and suddenly Jesus is telling him that there are different questions. Who is this Rabbi Jesus? On the cover of darkness, Nicodemus goes to see him. Scholars of John's Gospel will point out to you that everything John writes is significant. Everything has meaning and a hint at a double meaning. And so we should take note here that Nicodemus choose to visit Jesus in the darkness. Why do you think Nicodemus goes at night? Is it symbolic of Nicodemus's own spiritual darkness, the questions, the searching he has in his heart. You know, when life gets sad or hard or complicated, our sleep is often the first sign that we are stressed. It just wrecks our sleep. You can keep yourself busy during the day, going and doing and distracted, but when you try to put your head on the pillow at night... That's when the thoughts come. Is that why Nicodemus goes at night? Because he can't sleep for wondering about Jesus and his faith. Why do you think he goes? Why does he go at night? I tell you, the cynic in me wonders if Nicodemus goes at night because he doesn't want anyone to see him. Does he go at night? So the great... Nicodemus, Pharisee leader, can keep his reputation intact. He wants to lay low, don't let anybody know. Is he like any of us who have ever wanted faith without sacrifice? Any of us who don't want to be seen as taking this faith stuff a little too seriously? Maybe Nicodemus wants to follow Jesus and stay a respected leader in the community. Because in the dark, you can hide. Reminds me, this week, I learned a little part of an an art, well really it's a history movement that's happened, it started in Germany in 1992. It's these things called Stapolsteinas, and they're stumbling stones is what they're called. And it was started by a man named Gunther Denmeg in 1992. And Gunther grew up the son of a German war veteran who fought for Germany during the Nazi regime. And Gunter felt like, um, especially during his childhood, that nobody wanted to talk about. Everyone just wanted to hide away the atrocities that had happened in his country during the war. And it was a dark cloud that hid things and so in his own small way he started making these stumbling stones. He would make these little brass plates and he would look up a holocaust victim last known chosen address and he would make a little brass plate that would say here lived with their name and their birthday and their fate during the war and then he would put a little concrete on the sidewalk and glue those brass plates to the sidewalk. The idea was that they weren't raised enough to really trip you and make you fall, but it raised just enough to make you stumble and that when you stumbled on one of those stones, you would look down and you would remember the names of the people whose lives were changed by those events. And I think about Nicodemus. Here he is. He wants to stay in the dark. He wants to stay in the shadows. He wants to go to Jesus with his questions. Actually, if you notice, he doesn't have questions. He wants to show what he knows. He's so smart. He already has all the answers. Even the way he talks to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus begins to talk to him. He says, it's like being born of water and spirit. He speaks of birth from above, like a kid, a baby, where all things are new again. He talks about the spirit like a wind. The wind blows where it chooses. You hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Jesus would even go on to hint at his death and purpose. He tells him the Son of Man shall be lifted up. Now we know, we know what lifted up means, but Nicodemus doesn't. He doesn't know that he's hinting towards the cross. And that's when he says that quote that was probably one of the first verses you ever learned. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, he says, God did not come to the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I sometimes read the message, which is a very contemporary version of scripture. And the way it puts it, I love how it says, it says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son Merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. It reminds me of a little quote I've seen floating around the internet a lot that says, If God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn it, I doubt he sent you. (laughs) For God so loved the world. Jesus uses all kinds of images to help Nicodemus understand, like being born from above, like the windswept spirit of God. He even hints at what is to come with his own life, to suffer and to die, and he talks about his purpose in the world. For God so loved the world, to love the world, that he sent his son. And all that Nicodemus says after all that is how can this be? How can this be? The guy with all the answers only has a question. How can this be? That's the last thing he says in that conversation with Jesus. i got to admit, it's not quite the Hallmark movie ending that I really like to have. If I were writing the story, it would have had Nicodemus saying, Yes, Jesus, I will follow you. I am a new disciple of Christ. And then cue the sunrise coming up on a new follower of Jesus, the light of day shining. But that's not how it ends. Jesus says all of that to Nicodemus in the dark of night, and all he says in the midst of that conversation is, How can this be? Nicodemus, the guy with the reputation to uphold, the guy who's so smart, the guy with all the right answers. He knows everything. Even thought he could walk up to Jesus and tell him what he already knows. Anyone know anyone like that? Anyone maybe even recognize themselves a little in Nicodemus more than you care to admit? Maybe you were the type of kid at school who hated to raise your hand to ask a question because you hated to admit to the entire room that you were not understanding what was happening. Maybe you hate, absolutely hate to ask someone for help, to say, I can't do it on on my own, that I need help. Maybe you're the type to want to keep up appearances even when, The world is on fire around you. You're just going to try to put a brave face on and pretend everything's fine. I remember a little moment from my own childhood. I have this distinct memory. I was swimming at the beach with a friend on vacation, and the waves were getting pretty high, and some of the adults that were with all of us kids there said, Hey, you better hold on to one of us. These waves are pretty strong and pretty high. And my friend immediately grabbed on to her dad standing near her, and I said, oh, no, I got this. I'm good. You probably know where this story's going to end. Next big wave came. I got pulled forward. I didn't know which way was up and which way was down, but the truth is I wanted everyone to think I was strong enough, that I was tall enough and strong enough, and I was not scared of those waves, and it wasn't true. I think I understand Nicodemus. He thinks he's supposed to have the right answers. Faith for him has always been about the right answers, and he likes feeling so right. After everyone in his house has gone to sleep, he sneaks off in the dark to talk to Jesus, and he hears, For God so loved the world, Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. You know, I remember a Presbyterian minister, and you know, they sprinkle in their tradition, and he was baptizing a toddler about two or three years old. And this minister said just as he had his hand up and he was about to put the water on him and he was in the midst of saying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and the child just lit out into the room, Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, just as he was being baptized. And I have to admit, that might not be a bad reaction to a baptism, because you can't follow the light of the world by hiding in the shadows. And you know, we might think, That's the very end of Nicodemus that he stumbles on back home in the darkness where he came from. But actually, we hear about Nicodemus one more time. It's in John chapter 19. And at this point in the story of the Gospels, Jesus is dead. He has breathed his last on the cross. He has died a criminal and in shame His own disciples are scattered and gone. The crowds that loved him, oh, they are so long gone. Nobody's there. If you thought it was embarrassing to be seen with Jesus before the cross, nobody wanted to be around him after. But Nicodemus, Nicodemus is at the cross with spices to help bury him. And he's one of the people who helps take Jesus' body down for the tomb. He was there. You know, it occurs to me that for some of us, it just takes a while. For some of us, it takes a little while to truly get it, to truly understand, to truly let it sink in. For God So love the world that he gave his son. Thanks be to God. Amen.